welcome flight suit friday listeners happy friday happy friday the gang's back the gang's back it has been a hot minute boys yeah where the hell has everybody been for the past couple weeks months Uh, uh, mobile alabama all right now that's not true where'd you get to just recently snuck away to san diego uh with uh with kung fu kenny we did some awesome interviewing out there Realized that the uh, the 60s got away with murder stealing that air station from the 65s. Yeah, that's a spot, man. Oh, my gosh. Right on the harbor? Yeah. You finally realize why it costs so much to live there because it's just beautiful all year round. Yeah. It's pretty and you've, sweet. You've had a couple of those um, podcasts drop already. Yeah. Which yeah. is awesome. We should have all the episodes out for that one. It worked out pretty good, man. It good did. stories. Yeah. Some new ones, some old ones. Yeah, it was it was it was a ton of fun. Um, good good to get Kenny behind the mic again. Yeah, yeah we're an old Kenny. legend. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think he needed that too. Oh yeah, he definitely did. Rob, where you been? Oh man, I mean, I've been uh, you know off and away down in Hawaii doing a stand visit. It's pretty austere. Nice, it's dude. just terrible. I mean, nothing like San Diego, but yeah. uh, we got to keep that one quiet or else they're going to drop sixties there. Before yeah, we know yeah, it. I know. They, I think they've been uh, kind of scoping that one for a while, but no, that was a uh, great getting out to Hawaii. Two weeks of just flying around. Uh, Oahu did a little uh, ROL over to Maui. Yeah, it's all in a day's work. I was gonna say when you when you fly there, do you have to island hop to go to different little airports, or can you pretty much do all your stuff there? You can do all your stuff there. It's a it's a lot busier than I anticipated it would be. I mean, that's the first time I found myself at an untowered airfield with just jumpers raining from the sky on the eastern end of the airfield, oh. gliders over the ridge line to your south. Oh my gosh! And you're just kind of dipping back out over the water to do yeah. a traffic pattern. Like, all right. Let's see where everybody's at because you got a caravan taking off opposite direction traffic. That's wild. Pretty cool. Yeah, you don't want to turn in a blender for those guys. Well, yeah, and then you're just yeah. like admiring the beautiful water and the waves as you're going around it. I'm like, man, it's way different than the East Coast. I, I only I have a picture in my mind of what it's like. Yeah. I have no idea. No, no, it seems no so foreign to me. Yeah. No, it's it's living it's and working cool. in Hawaii. The um yeah, we uh Caleb and I went on, on like a hiking adventure one day after work, really pushed our hearts to the limit. Uh, you know, I barely didn't die. He was Pretty close to it, uh, but it was great. I uh, would highly recommend, gentlemen, try to jump on that one. Yeah, one Nick, of these days. Nick, where you yeah. been at? Good unit. I've been holding down the fort. Yeah, yeah. I really haven't gone anywhere, guys. Yeah. Um, I did uh, visit Houston uh, back in September, but you know that was that was quite a while back. What y'all drinking over there? Oh boy, what do I got? A, a Sierra Nevada Ruthless Rye IPA. It's like it's about 6.6%. Yeah. So that's Kenny approved. Yeah. Yeah. Very Kenny approved. Above yeah. 6%, right? I yeah. don't Something I have like to that. think about it every time. Yeah. I think below that's pretty much water. Heck yeah. Sweet. Sweet, man. Do we have any news this week? Uh, Let's see. We we just brought on our um, our air station corpus uh, echo transition yep. pilot. Yeah, so yeah. that's pretty exciting. Starting to get a little bit closer to the end. Yeah. yeah I absolutely. Guess, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, they'll probably be close to getting done. So that's Detroit and Corpus in the rear view mirror. Yeah. Awesome. Almost one whole fleet. That was a good one. Oh, you're, that yeah, was you good really one. got that in that there. Hey, uh, we got our fourth mic set up here, don't oh. we? I wonder who's sitting at that fourth mic. I don't know. Who is it? I don't know. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, guys. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks um, for coming to drink beer with us. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Is yeah. is that a foreign accent I detect? Well, yeah. Let's German, go on, maybe? Let's go on with it. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm Bob. I'm Bob Fleming. I'm Lieutenant Commander in the Royal Navy. Currently on Hitron on exchange from the uh, Royal Navy. It's uh, it's good to be there. Welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank you. How long have you been stateside? I arrived last May, 
And then had a month in Jacksonville. So arrived, didn't have a car, yeah. didn't have a house, yeah. nowhere to live, didn't know anybody. I'm the first one to do this. So they put me on a plane from the UK. Say, <laughs> go, the American dream. go over to America and figure it out. So I went, all right. So I did. I jumped on a plane, came over, didn't know anybody. Uh, all I knew was I had a job. So a guy called Pat Collins, who was AOPS, came out and met me in his truck, which was nice. very generous of him. Um, we took me to the hotel. We had a beer. And I was like, help, help me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, but it was fine. So I spent a lot of time running around trying to get social security number, DMV oh, yeah. to get a vehicle sorted out. Wow. Did oh, you wow. buy I didn't pick realize you had to do all that stuff. No, I got a Ford Explorer, but okay. I did import my BMW Z3, oh, which is a 3-litre convertible, right-hand drive, manual Perfect. stick shift. Yeah. Had that shipped over as well. So I've got that around. That's awesome. I yeah, mean, you're in Florida. There's basically no rules too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I was going to ask, what did your friends and family think about you going to Florida of all places? Did they have Florida man in their mind? I, I don't know what they think. I haven't had that conversation. Yeah. They're, they're, just, they're just happy I'm having a good time. I'm yeah. just okay. thinking like when we get offered an opportunity to go like, you know, to the Canadian exchange program or the UK, you just like think like, oh, it's going to be great. What was it like when they're like going to Jacksonville, Florida? <laughs> it's Jacksonville. <laughs> that exciting? I, I'd, I'd never been to Jacksonville yeah. before, okay. so I didn't yeah. know. I mean, I'd, I kind of read a few things about it being kind of dangerous, kind of big. <laughs> yeah, it's but that's but you can never spot you can never tell you what you what you hear for granted. Yeah, but uh, I, I found a nice apartment in a nice place. Got a good pool. There's some cool got, spots around. Yeah, there. it's got some is good, there, good bars. Is there a Jacksonville esque place in the UK? If you had to equate it to anything Oof. over there, what would you? No, no, I can't. I can't think of anything just like Jacksonville. <laughs> you, know, you know what they say about Jacksonville? It's one of a kind. <laughs> Do yeah. they say that? I don't remember. That's that. what they say. Oh dang! Well, I feel like you're not far from some good beaches, and then if you live on the west side, it's like pretty fun. A lot of things to do over Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's. Um, I live I live just out of the downtown in San Marco, and okay. there's loads of good bars, restaurants. Oh yeah. I, can, awesome. I can park up my car on a Friday, and I don't have to drive to a Monday. Oh, that's because I can do any, everything within walking distance. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love that one. So, uh, yeah, living in Jackson been pretty fun. Obviously, then joined Hitron. Well, I didn't. Um, so I had two weeks, well, two weeks to sort out somewhere to live. Yeah. I had two weeks in living there, just basically unpacking all my stuff that got mm -hmm. imported from the UK, then straight to Mobile. So yeah. I spent a few weeks over here doing the T course. Nice. I've never flown a sort of 65 before. So, so you get the, you get to check off Florida and Alabama immediately. Well, what Al treasures Alabama the in the summer was a yeah. bit of a shock to my system coming from the UK. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, it was so freaking warm. Yeah. And humid. But it was it was great to come and fly the 65, meet you guys, uh, get a new aircraft, figure it all out. It's just a different culture, different way about doing things. Yeah, so what what is your background in the Royal Navy? What did you fly like was your session source? So I joined the Navy back in 2002. I actually started flying in 1998 when okay. the Air Force Reserves. I got my pilot's license um, around about then. Started flying from 2003 and I've been in the cockpit ever since. Uh, so that's going on just over 20 years of solid flying for the Royal Navy. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, started off flying uh, A-Stars equivalent. We called them the squirrels back there for the military flying training. Did six months on those, then straight into the Lynx, which is our frontline maritime attack helicopter. Pretty... You know, 70s design, 80s technology in it, updated a few times throughout the time, just like the 65's been. Mm -hmm. uh, but solid titanium rotor head, so maneuverable aircraft, 90 yeah, degrees nice. pitch and roll. Wow. Um, That's holy incredible. cow. We, yeah, 90 degrees pitch and roll. Uh, 
powerful gearbox and engines. It was. I think the pitch thing is the most shocking to me. Actually, if you think about it, like roll, yeah, yeah fine, whatever. But you just go ninety degrees <laughs> yeah. straight up. Holy cow! Yeah, we don't tend to go straight up. We yeah. definitely go straight down there. Oh my gosh! Yes, it's. We do the the dynamic flying because it's, yeah. it's the military war fighting end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tactical t- climbs and descents. We need to be able to get up and down, in and out, real quick. So we train that pretty, from from pretty much day one. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you, you'll find that most most pilots are pretty proficient in dynamic flying that come out of um, flying training in the in the links links world. Are you um, so the Royal Navy? Do they do search and rescue at all? Not anymore. We retired that. There used to be a UK exchange over yeah. here in Miami. Uh, I know a few guys of old who've done it before, mm-hmm. but that sort of shut down around about 2015, I think okay. it was, because the UK decided that search and rescue in the military wasn't worth the money. Sure. Um, so they set up uh, a civilian Coast Guard yeah. flying. It was run under contract. So those guys in the UK Coast Guard are either civilian pilots through and through mm-hmm. with lots of experience or they're ex-military with lots of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get, you know, our Coast Guard is pretty much civilian. But for, when for but side. when you were doing search and rescue, would you do it in the links off the back of a Royal Navy ship? Yeah, we, we always said we're a bit of a, a jack of all trades because mm-hmm. when you're the only air, aircraft possibly within 2,000 miles, yeah. you've got to be able to respond to anything. That's awesome. So yeah, we, we had the ability to do search and rescue, but I would never say we we're professionals in gotcha. it. Gotcha. So we could go out and we could do something. We could send down a guy down to onto a boat to pick someone up. We could use the hoist. Uh, we could get someone to hospital or rescue them, but uh, it was not our day-to-day job. Got any good UK search and rescue stories? No, not UK ones. Okay. Well, not, not continental UK. Yeah. Uh, I've never never done a proper search and rescue in the links. I've done gotcha. Kazavax into Ireland, okay. and okay. St. Lucia, Africa, gotcha. all those sort of places. So it's getting people to hospital when they've fallen down a hatch and crushed their hand. Mm-hmm. Or something. Sure, yeah. And the doctor's like, you, you need to get into hospital pretty quickly. Yeah. So we steam the ship into as far as coastline. I think my the craziest one I did was into Rio de Janeiro, uh-huh. where wow. they would we were speaking English, and the air traffic in the airport would not respond to our calls, so we just bombed their airspace and started flying up and down the side of the runway oh, until wild. they answered it. And we went, yeah, with the British helicopter, we've got there's an ambulance waiting for us. We need to land, and eventually they let us in. But we had to cause a flight violation to make it happen. Yeah, oh they can't gosh. ignore you forever. <laughs> no, except not when you're <laughs> in their airspace, uh, flying alongside the airline, is going, pay attention to us, please. Yeah. <laughs> So we've had a few adventures like that. Um, but yeah, search rescue was never something we did. We're an attack helicopter, so it's um, all about anti-surface, you know, Corvette-style ships, yeah. missiles, and submarines, depth charges and torpedoes. But then, you know, that's the traditional sort of end of Cold War role of the, of the, the, the Lynx. And then as things change, we've moved on to air, airborne use of force. Yep. But we use it not only for counter-narcotics, but we use it for counter-piracy, counter-terrorism as well. So there's all sorts of different ways we use these tactics to go okay. on. And uh, and then I did 10 years or so on the Lynx, 10 years on the Wildcat, which is the upgraded Lynx, more powerful engines That's that awesome. came out of the Comanche program, uh, up, updated avionics. Um, it's just an all-round more up-to-date Helicopter, and is that what they're currently flying right that's now? What, that's what they're currently flying. That's what Rachel Rutanek, who's my counterpart from the US Coast Guard in the UK, she's flying that now. She's just qualified from that's the training awesome. training unit, so she spent a, a while doing that because the difference being over there, we're single pilot. Uh huh. Oh so wow! Holy cow! Only, in the frontline aircraft, there's only one set of controls in the front of the aircraft. Whoa! So when you're the pilot, you are the pilot. That's yeah. it. There yeah. is no one else to hand control over to. You're going to you, want more than eight it. weeks of training with that. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have the co-pilot, first pilot 
aircraft commander qualification. We just have a pilot qualification. Yeah. You're either in or you're out. Oh, that's cool. So wow. she's just finished that. So she's gone up the front line where um, she'll spend a few months sort of understudying a flight commander, equivalent to a mission commander, someone who knows how ships work with mm-hmm. aviation. Okay. She'll do that uh, for a, a few, probably a few months just to get her feet under the table. Then she will be the sole pilot on a warship with her own helicopter for however long they deploy her for. Now, so, how much bigger are your ships compared to uh, the code, the cutters you've been we have, on? We have us. nothing that's smaller than, say, a Whimsel 418. Oh, wow. So okay. the 210 is the smallest ship I've ever landed on, I think. Yeah, it's a small but ship. But it's not the smallest flight deck I've landed on. Because wow. my first ship was a Type 42 destroyer which is probably about just a bit longer than a Whimsel. Okay. But the flight deck was smaller than off the, off the back of a 210. Holy cow. So that our wheels were based on the back of the flight deck and our tail overhung the back of the ship. That's Jeez. a little bit nerve-wracking. Yeah. Single pilot? My, yeah. That was my first ship, day-night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, full wow. de- full six-month deployment under the South Atlantic in that bad boy. Holy cow. And uh, yeah, that was that was some sporty times. Yeah. You just kind of have to figure that out. You're not doing DLQs with somebody that can help you out. Yeah. That's it. It's, there's, you, that's you've got to get it right every time and make it work. So that's, that's why we do such, you know, the training's somewhat different and we don't have the qualification. So I'm sure she's having a real good time. That's awesome. Flying something very different with that kind of responsibility. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Gosh, that is why. I actually had no idea. I figured it was just two two people up there. So we is, don't even have a BA in the back. So who who's in the aircraft? So we have an, a non-flying officer weapon yep. system operator. We call them observers. So that's another officer aviation carder. Mm-hmm that trains in parallel with us mm-hmm. uh, when we get onto the link. So they have their own training system early on in flying training. Mm. Uh, but then when we get onto the frontline aircraft, that's when we sort of start pairing people up. Yeah. So you get pilot and observer paired up. Um, and then, you know, they, they sort of work together as a crew to sort of operate that helicopter. Are they in the left seat or are they in the back? They're in the left seat. Okay. So the left seat doesn't, on the frontline aircraft, it doesn't have controls. So we gotcha. have training aircraft with, jet, with yeah. dual controls for the baby pilots. But then uh, the frontline ones, they have all their... They have a camera operator. Uh, they've got the weapon system screens, so they could. They've got. They're free to to operate all the systems. So the, the thing is, we don't have the Wildcat was never brought in with a digital flight control system or a flight director. Okay. So there are limitations on what it can and can't do. Um, so the pilot needs to really fly the aircraft a lot. You know, there's not not a lot of automation in there, which means that you do that. Need that weapon system operator to back them up. I mean, yeah. put, mm-hmm. put some automation in there and offload the pilot might be a different story, but that's not where we're at. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you're paired up with the same person for pretty much all of your sorties. Uh, you are in, are in training. Um, and then when you got on the front line, you're pretty standard by then. So you can jump in with pretty much anybody. Okay. But then when you deploy, you're paired up again because you go out as a two officer crew. Okay. With your avidet. I feel like that's, they're beneficial. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, you know. got some moral support there, even if they're not on the controls, at least another person there. Yeah. There's always the, there's always the, so the aircraft commander could be the most senior of the two. It doesn't necessarily have to be the pilot. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But also, no stick, no vote, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's true. Yeah, and then, so, then who's in the back? Anybody? Um, our gunners are the Royal Marines. Gotcha. So, But they're not aviators. Okay. They are on loan to us for when we need them. So they, we get we get them when we need them. Uh, we also train one of our AVDEP members as a winchman to go down on the winch. So if we have to do winching and send someone down, the observer in the front left will climb out and get into the back and then op- operate the winch. I'm going to call our rescue swimmers winchmen from now on. <laughs> winchmen. <laughs> I love that's, that. That's perfect. You know, I think uh, winch is probably more widely used than hoist. Yeah, it is. I think it, we're the only ones that call it hoist. Yeah. 
I mean, it is in theory a winch. It is. Yeah. And you ever see the commercial um, uh, b- vessels? I think it says winch. Oh area. yeah. Yeah. Or maybe does it say hoist sometimes? I don't mm. know. Yeah. Up area. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that I've had to get my head around coming over here. The different words for the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what like, Obviously, the English language in aviation is pretty worldwide, right? So that's pretty easy, the obviously. Dominant, yeah, the but like you come over, like what has been the most difficult part about, you know, coming over? Obviously, probably not learning how to fly the new aircraft. It's probably something just learning. Flying, flying is flying. Yeah. You know, you line up the numbers and it seems to do its thing. It's, it's great. Uh, the airspace and rules and regulations has been the hardest thing. To really? Make yeah. Just it's a different setup to what I'm used to. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, like, do you have any specific details? The whole construction of airspace is different okay. over in the States. They're, how you label them, uh, how it operates, who you talk to, and then get my head around 3710 and all the sure. Coast Guard regulations, FAA documentations, the yeah. far aim. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just differently written. Are you ta- So are you talking about like, like Charlie Bravo Delta air for airspaces around airports? Like that's completely different. It's, it's differently labeled. Yeah. I mean, we have, Class D for big airports. Sure. But we don't have controlled airspace everywhere like you guys do. Yeah. It's class G outside of that, which is free airspace. Huh. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So just the way you get around, who you talk to, how you do your flight monitoring sure. is different. Okay. Uh, it's just a different setup of how, how it's run. Gotcha. And it's probably due to the fact that we have such a smaller geography in the UK mm-hmm. that we can run things a bit more locally. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the US, you know, you've got to get massive coverage to yeah. get in and out of places. Plus you have way more airports, um, way more general aviation. Okay. For, for the area you have. Oh, really interesting. It's pretty busy out here. Huh. Yeah. I mean, big, one of the big problems for when I first came to ATC here in Mobile was I could not understand the radios at all. I had to get the instructor <laughs> oh, to translate. Yeah. They speak so fast with oh, such yeah. a Southern accent. I was like, I don't know what you just said. Please, <laughs> please repeat that slowly and more clearly. <laughs> Especially around here, and it's probably the same in Jacksonville too, but you have yeah. a lot of training aircraft and they have to sequence in all of these different aircraft all the time. They're always busy. Um, so you've probably been in both kind of, you know, fairly busy airspaces. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been like, pretty busy. I've, I've got my ear in now. I know what to expect on the radio. When, when someone talks back to me quickly, I know what I'm expecting yeah. to hear so I can get it down pat but when i first came here it was just so quick that's so funny yeah i could yeah. see how that'd be challenging yeah absolutely especially I mean, with a southern act yeah i guess you I mean even for us you know remember when we oh, yeah. first started flight training you, you plug in and you're like what are they saying right now yeah i, mean, I kept on just, hearing roll tide and i was like what the <laughs> hell does that mean <laughs> oh is rob, that people some, rob, meowing is, rob, that, is that some sort of flash or what i don't know <laughs> rob do you hear roll tide or eagle Ah, war eagle. That's what happens when you grab here. I, I thought it was. I thought it was like a procedure or something. And then someone did explain to me what roll tide was. I was like, ah, got fine. I still don't know what it means. <laughs> Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. <laughs> it gets the people yeah. going. It's the rednecks that's going. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Well, how long are you uh, with the Coast Guard for before you have to go back? Well, home? it's a standard three-year tour. Okay. I'm looking to try and maybe extend it by a year just so I can do the full Hitron four-year tour. Yeah, just like everyone else, just to get. I've had an extra training to do, so this. You know, this year I've had to do co-pilot, first pilot, and aircraft commander yeah. to catch oh, up. So you to catch up with everyone who oh, normally comes in yeah. as an aircraft commander into Hitron. Yeah, how many instrument checks have you had this year? Uh, four. Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> your your experience has been a bunch of check rides. Yeah, it's the most love you get coming uh, up yeah. through syllabus. Yeah, four stand checks, three night procedures checks, four IF checks. I've been so far this year. Been pretty busy. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but you know, you you live and learn through them and get get better and better every time you get tested. Yeah. So, 
So I'm up to that standard now. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to do the full four-year tour to pay back that extra training that's come on my way. That's awesome. But I think I've been, I think I've been keeping up okay. Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of hard work getting my head around everything, but sure. uh, it's good fun there. Yeah. Would you that's say cool. that um, the Coast Guard has uh, more or less regulations than you're used to, or is it similar? Um, it's a different way of going. Back in the UK, we had, a f- we had the military aviation authority set up after um, an accident, which which caused a, an investigation into the into the UK military because accountability was a problem. Basically, mm-hmm. people could get away with not doing their job and pass the buck, and it mm-hmm. went circular. So no one was held accountable, and this was seemed to be unacceptable. And it resulted in a fair fair few problems. So we used to have a set of books that basically told you what you can't do. And if it wasn't in there, you can do it with common sense. Okay. That then changed okay. into a massive library of books of things you can do. Yeah. yeah. And if it's not in there, you can't do it. So we have, we have got a huge amount of regulation in the UK yeah. under the military aviation authority, which has been an interesting thing to deal with. They, they try to keep it simple, but it's, uh, it can be, it can be hard to work through sometimes. Yeah. Um, over here, you've got, yeah, the far aim, which mm-hmm. the far is written in a very confusing way. Sometimes the the, the aim, lawyers, the, most aim the, time. the aim explains it and yeah. gives you a practical way of doing it, and then you've got your mm-hmm. Coast Guard thirty seven ten, which gives you some sort of Coast Guard ways of doing it. Yeah, yeah. referencing. So getting my head around all that, I think there's probably a similar level of, avi- of regulation, but sure. it's just in different different departments. You know, in the UK we. We tend not to look at the CAA too much, the Civil Aviation Authority regulations too much, although we are under the Air Navigation Order, which is the, essentially the FAR okay. equivalent. Yeah. Um, but everything's a bit more comprehensive in how the military runs, so we mm. don't have to reference that quite so much. Mm-hmm. Over here, you do have to reference the Federation, yeah. the Federal Aviation Regulations quite a bit to back up what the Coast Guard directors are saying. Interesting. So I, I think that kind of makes sense. And, and like Rob, you, you know, flying for the DOD, like you probably didn't look at far aim stuff too often, right? You know, we were familiar, had far aim tabbed out. Sure. But you, we got a, nobody talked about like, oh, I'm going to get flight violator. We're like, yeah, uh, we're just dumb, dumb army pilots. I mean, we're good, but like air traffic control knew it. They're like, yeah, God, it's the army guys again. Yeah, you had your um, own so airfields and everything too. Yeah. You, uh, you could probably get away with a lot more. I think, uh, you know, Coast Guard side, we're probably a little bit more matched with our like civilian counterparts trying to be like, you know, cognizant of that as we go and like, you know, just kind of, yeah. it's the way we operate and what we're operating around because we're a lot of times attached to a civilian, like, you know, airport. Yeah. I mean, it's really a blend of military yeah. and civilian flying. You, it really you is. You could do both, you know, on any given day. When you're when you're operational in Squawkin 1277, I feel like they kind of open the doors for you and yeah. just kind of let you roam around and get what you needed to get done, which is nice, but yeah. Yeah. How have your deployments been so far? Well, I've done two deployments, both on 210s, uh, which has been they're good fun. I mean, I, yeah. I really like that. People moan yeah. about them because they're small ships, but uh, I quite like them because they've got a tight crew. Yeah. Uh, and they, we've traveled some nice places. So I've had some good stop-offs. We've done a few interdictions on the way. That's nice. cool. Uh, first one was into El Salvador. Yeah. So we got a C-17 out to El Salvador and then joined the ship and went down south. Oh, that's cool. That's that was, awesome. That was pretty cool doing that. Although we did get stuck there for a month. So uh, week two was okay. Week two was getting a little bit tedious. <laughs> week four was... Yeah, I might drive myself in the pool today. <laughs> was it stuck for aircraft issues or for boat issues? It was, or something uh, else? It was boat issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the boat got caught up north by some faults and uh, some bad weather. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so a month in El Salvador was, it was interesting, 
but I was glad to get out of there. But the second one was C-17, C-17 into San Diego. So you're talking about San Diego oh, earlier. Oh, nice. Man, we, right? were fly, we were flying out of Naz, uh, North Island yeah. and Sector San Diego. We went up going up the coast over to Catalina. Yeah. That was some good flying, man. Right. <laughs> that was some good I, stuff. I, I had never been over there. Like that was the first time I was over there. And the climate is just it is, perfect. It's wild. It's like yeah. you can rock a sweatshirt and board shorts and flip-flops pretty much all day, yeah. all year round, and it's perfect. It was, it was good fun. So getting out to San Diego, I didn't think I was going to do as much traveling in the yeah. U.S. as I have. I thought, you know, join the ship and deploy. I didn't realize I'd be flying around the U.S. to having good times and uh, being looked after like that. That's so really cool. we've been doing some good stuff. That's a good trip, San yeah. Diego, Gosh, too, man. Yeah. So if the Coast Guard offered you a uh, an extension and, and your bosses allowed it. Would you go to San Diego for another four years or something? Oh, like they that? wouldn't let me leave Hitron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I freaking would, but this is an airborne use of force exchange. So yeah, yeah, you have a. I've uh, got to be on Hitron or nowhere. I guess yeah. you have a special skill set that they probably want to keep around. I have a particular special set of skills. Yes. <laughs> set of skills. That's awesome. So, what do you, uh, so then, you know, having flown, having quite a bit of flight time in the, the mighty 65, what do you think? I think it's very interesting aircraft. I mean, the, the balance of everyone complains about it not having a lot of power, but mm. you know, you'd be chasing your tail if you upgrade that gearbox, because then you'd have to upgrade the Fenestron and you have to yeah. well, get heavy and you'd have sure. more nose up problems and you'd have, probably have to upgrade all the transmission to get mm-hmm. that. And before you know it, you've just canceled out all the power gain you've got. So the 65 is probably the balance you're ever going to get sure. out of that airframe until you replace it. Yeah. Uh, so it is what it is. Um, it's manageable. Yeah. You know, we can get some dynamic stuff out of it. Yeah. I would give anything for a proper tail rotor for oh, the yeah. AUF mission, you know, but uh, we, again, we build the profiles to suit the airframe limitations. Right. So it works, but compared to say the helicopters in the UK, uh, it is very easy to jump in this and go, which mm. is like what yeah. the Coast Guard want. You mm-hmm. know, you've got to be able to get in it, start it and maybe do a bit of planning Yeah, um, on the, you know, on the AFB on the way. So getting in it and starting it, great. It's yeah. easy and it's pretty straightforward to fly. I like, I like the flight director that oh, offloads yeah. you a lot. Um, I wouldn't say it was massively comfortable for a long time. Nope. My left leg goes to sleep after about an hour. Yeah. It's okay. Time. You only have an hour left to fly. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting aircraft. I mean, I, I love flying anything. Sure. So just learning something with a Fenestron and the, and the differences in, in how that works compared to a normal mm-hmm. tail rotor yeah. is great. Um, the li- just even being limited by a challenge of the, the lack of power sometimes. I'm sure up, up, if you're operating up north, it's fine. Yeah. When you're operating in Alabama or Florida, yeah. I mean, you sneak that thing. Yeah, out summer, summer times around here is rough. Yeah, you sneak that thing off the runway sometimes. Yeah. And, and we had the same problem in, in San Diego. Yeah. Where, you know, we watched the 60s take off from the sector San Diego over that fence. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, were, the we, were, we were backing up right against the fuel, <laughs> right. fuel tank, yeah. fuel bounces. Just trying to self give ourselves a little run up to make that fence. That's awesome. You know, it was like, we're going to make it. Yeah, we'll make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about how does it compare off the back of the boat to the uh, helicopters you've flown over overseas? Uh, again, the the power is a problem. Yeah, I mean, you you can sometimes pull and the nose goes left and you haven't got a right pedal to put in, so you just have to take it. Yeah, and you're just flying and you think it'll sort itself out once I get some airspeed. Yeah, yeah. That- and coming back to the deck, we've always I've always trained on doing you know lateral approaches where you come into the side of the ship, come mm-hmm. to the hover, move laterally over the deck and land oh, rather okay. than coming straight up, yeah. the, uh, straight up the stern. So that's a whole new profile for me mm-hmm. to learn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, coming laterally of the ship, probably it's probably because we 
we like to get on our forward aft references first, mm-hmm. check our power requirement, and then move over the deck. Mm-hmm. And it always gives us that flyout option if it all doesn't go right. Yeah. Coming straight up the stern um, is a bit different because coming over it and getting the, the judgment of your fore and aft mm-hmm. from coming up is, is it's challenging. challenging. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Short time so, span you so that, you know, that. you do have the marks on the deck, but I don't think sometimes people appreciate what you're actually supposed to be sure. looking at. Yeah. So it, it's it's challenging, but it's it it's interesting. Yeah. Have you have you learned anything in the sixty five that you'll take back and teach to your compatriots over there in the UK? Like, there's nothing I would say that is particularly standing out, but there's sure. certainly a lot of discussions to be had yeah. about the differences in the way about we go about business. Right. Is there something that you think that you know the that we should absorb from the UK or the way you guys do things? I again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the the Coast Guard is, is quite benign on how it flies its helicopters. Sure. And there's definitely the way the UK military operate. And it's probably the same in the U- US Army. Mm-hmm. That We're just more dynamic mm-hmm. with how we operate. We operate them more like rotorcraft than sort of say fixed wings. So the profiles are left a lot more to the pilot to decide how he wants to yeah. do stuff rather than you know, in, how in the dash one you build up a, a pattern. Yeah, yeah. So we don't do so much of that pattern work. We do much more dynamic flying because we need to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we're not, but we have a different mission set. Sure. You're not going to get that in a pattern. No. 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 Yeah, there was a, it was always special to see like over in a, the ramp we were at in Kandahar with the Aussie Chinooks parked where ours were. And when they would leave the FARP, you'd have to do pretty much a lap around the pattern to get back in. And they'd be probably below 200 feet and you would see the entire top of that aircraft as they were banking easily over to like 60 degrees, whipping around. We're like, oh man, we would probably all lose our wings if like one of our CEOs saw us doing that. But so happy for you guys. (laughs) They knew how to fly the aircraft very well. I mean, I think we did too, but probably a little bit more like, you know, cookie cutter style. Rob said a funny word that I'd like to find. What's that? What's a FARP? Oh, a forward arming and refueling point. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, it's tactical. It's a I just thought that thing. was a funny word. Yeah, <laughs> pretty sure that's what it means. It's been a while. Sweet. So you are about what halfway through? No, yeah. No, I'm, I'm eighteen months in. Um, okay. Uh, maybe another two and a half years if if I stay here for the yeah. full four year tour. Uh, so I've got mission commander to get done yeah. in the new year. Then operate as a mission commander from here on. We'll see what. The next two and a half years brings. And then what uh, What kind of career progression are you looking at when you get back to the UK? That's a discussion I've got to have with my detailer when, yeah. I, when I eventually get that because I don't have much of a plan after this job. I didn't, yeah. really, didn't really think too far ahead. I saw this come up and I just wanted it and I wanted to get out oh, and yeah. do this job. So uh, I put everything on pause and said, I'm doing it and nice. I'll worry about that later. So That's yeah. awesome. Is so, this a competitive uh, job? Uh, to come over to the Coast Guard? Yeah. If they, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how the the Navy went about getting me into this job. Okay. It was all a bit murky. Um, so I don't know if they formally solicited for people to do it or whether there were loads of volunteers who heard on the rumor network and yeah. put their name in before they even had to like ask. Yeah. So I, I don't know the ins and outs, mm. but uh, I would suspect it's pretty popular to come over here and fly for the United States Coast Guard. Yeah, because there's probably only so many positions, right? There's only one. Oh, just one. Yeah. Dang. That's it. And it hasn't, you know, like I said, we stopped doing it in 2015. Okay. And that was pretty competitive. And then this started up. So the reason this came about is because 815 Squadron, which is the frontline Wildcat Squadron yeah. in the Royal Navy, 
does at AUF, just like Hitron does. And we set up years ago uh, an exercise called Exercise Iron Eagle, mm -hmm. where we would come over and from the UK and train with Hitron for a couple of weeks. If we had a, a ship with an aircraft, a UK ship with an aircraft in the area, they'd come over and we'd do some tactical training discussions, maybe fly, flying with our aircraft against their tra tra training boats. Um, and then that sort of grew every year and it kind of made sense to have maybe putting permanent people on either mm. side of the Atlantic to liaise for that. Yeah. So we had a, the HMS Dauntless come over earlier this year. Okay. And they brought their aircraft in. Uh, they had a few aircraft problems. They didn't get all the training they wanted to. But after that, they then sailed down and they had a $140 million drugs bust. Oh, wow. About a month after they'd been at Hitron. So we don't know how much that aided them. Yeah. But certainly, it looks pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. For that interagency, inter like working together. Yeah. Creating these opportunities for each other, making sure we understand what we're doing. Yeah. So it's really good. So this is, you know... Hopefully it will keep going for as long as Hitron in it goes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and I think everybody goes. enjoys it. I think everybody, yeah. you, you got a pretty good reputation and around here. I think everybody's enjoyed flying that's with you. I, and that's because I get really drunk and tell dirty jokes. That's exactly, <laughs> that's about, that's what we're missing. That's about 80% of it, right? That's seriously it. So if you could go back and have your dream job back home, what would you do? Like in the Royal Navy? Like if the DSR said, hey, whatever you want to do. Wow. That would take some thinking. Yeah. So I've, I've done everything that a wildcat pilot can do. Yeah. What kind of other options do you have as like a Royal Navy pilot? Training, crossing into different types of aircraft is mm -hmm. pretty hard work because yeah. of the training system and how long it takes to sure. do it and, and usefulness. So I'm a wildcat instructor and I've done counterterrorism and all the frontline jobs and I've done demo flying. So there's loads of stuff I could go back to, but picking one, I don't know. I'd have to have a... Really good. Think about that one. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome that there's a, that many opportunities that you'd like. So we'll f we'll figure it out. Yeah. But I I like the the break here. Yeah, and doing something very different. Yeah, and seeing the whole world in different ways. It resets your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. On, on everything. Now, is it part of like your model as an officer over there to like eventually do a staff tour or a position to where you're not flying? Usually, yes. But I took a bit of a right turn in my career back in 2019 because yeah. you you guys are looking at making sort of this master instructor, master IP kind of qualification to try and keep O4s flying in the, as instructing roles without having to compete quite much for so much for uh, promotion. I took that route back with the Navy. We've been doing it for 25, 30 years back in the Royal Navy. Okay. Where you basically take a right turn in your career where you limit your opportunity for promotion. For like upward mobility, but you get to stay but down. But you stay, stay as, as an O4 level. Yeah. in the cockpit as a specialist. Okay. Um, and they de decouple your pay and your pension from the, the usual um, officer pay. So you go into a sort of special level of, of pay and pension mm. that then rewards you for basically not getting promoted. I okay. like that. Um, so it's, little, it's a route. little still upward progression in the year. Yeah, uh, so for, grade, me, for, me having, for me, having done promoted. 20 years in the cockpit solid uh, and not having done a staff job, I'm not competitive to get to 05. Okay. But I can stay as an 04 as one of those key advisors, you know, oh. one of these, S, um, what do you call it? Specialist experts. Yeah. Yeah. Advisors. Oh. I, I mean, you SMEs. Need that. There you go. Subject, yeah. subject, subject matter, matter experts. Expert. Oh, How, SME. What, what would you say the percentage of like, uh, like pilots like that take that opportunity? Not many. It's very competitive. Okay. So you have to, you have to reach oh, wow. a certain level of qualification to get it. You need to be either a test pilot, an avionics systems uh, qualified aviator, or an above average instructor. Mm. 
Uh, and usually that will fill the entire requirement for that year, just those people alone. Wow. Okay. If they don't fill that requirement, then they'll put it out for interviews. Um, so I'm, I managed to make above average instructor, so I was put onto it. That's uh, awesome. At my request. They want good people doing the job, not just people avoiding staff positions. Oh yeah, you've yeah. got to. You've that got makes to, sense. You've got to be t- top in your job to be able to be considered for it, and then transfer across because it's, you know, it's it gives you a good career path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that keeps your pay increasing while not, you know, you're without your you're rank increasing. Staying within your passion. Absolutely. I think that's great. So yeah. it's yeah, competitive sure. to get into, and I think it's worthwhile. But also, you've got to take the hit on promotion prospects as well. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So I'm, um, yes. So I took that route. So going back and getting promoted, my career path different. However, just like in the Coast Guard, they expect you to go out and do staff jobs if you want to make it to 05, sure. yeah. 06. So you do have to go out and do those outer office jobs, whatever you need to do, wider experience, building mm-hmm. those officer qualities. So it's the same, both sides of the Atlantic, how that works. That's awesome. Cool. Um, not aviation question, just to kind of wrap things up here. I think it's pretty important. Uh, what is uh, your favorite American food that you've had while you've been over here? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I do like a, a really good American burger. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's tough. Oh, to yeah. But biscuits and gravy is a bit <laughs> of a new one. <laughs> good biscuits and gravy. You're like, that's, that's a nice way to wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Because, but but in the UK, biscuit is a cookie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the UK, a cookie is a specific type of biscuit. Yeah. It's like a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. But then we have a whole host of other biscuits. Yeah. But uh, not the kind of biscuits that you're talking about with biscuits no, and gravy. biscuits and gravy, like dumplings in, in white gravy. Yeah. You have yeah. for breakfast. Nice. That's pretty good. I like, like so, a bit of, I mean. <laughs> it's hard the, to believe that that's a breakfast item sometimes. Yeah, you know? really. Yeah. Yeah. That sausage <laughs> gravy, that's just, mm. I mean, Mexican food over here is, is a different level to what you get in the UK because we like our Indian curries over there. Yeah, that's sure, what, yeah. That's our oh, spicy okay. food of choice yeah. is Indian okay. curries. Uh, so coming over here and having some good old Mexican food, yeah. that's, that's pretty impressive as well. That's awesome. And then we're down in New Orleans and having some of that Cajun oh. stuff. Oh, yeah. There's been yeah. a lot of good stuff and there's good seafood over here. So yeah, yeah I've, I've been enjoying the food. That's awesome. Bit. What's your favorite late night food when you get done tearing up downtown Jacksonville or um, their midtown? We'll call it your drunk food. What's your go-to? Well, normally it's Hawker's down in uh, Five Points, which is like a fusion Asian street food. Okay, okay. Yeah, noodles. Street food. That's fine. Yeah, noodles and all yep. sorts. You can just pile it in. That'll cure what ails you right there. You guys are making me yeah. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> you been to a Waffle House yet? I've not been to a Waffle oh, House. You haven't been to Oh, man. Okay. I've seen it everywhere. We need but then, a, there's, then there's so much choice out here. I don't even know where to start. You make gotta sure do. <laughs> when you get back, Nard Dog takes you to a Waffle House. That is a, uh, right. that is a classic. A yeah, that's a classic South Florida or just a Florida experience is going to a Waffle House past midnight. If, you, if you're going to do some people watching, it's yeah. like Walmart, but with food. Oh, I, yeah. Walmart at 9 p.m. on a Friday, man. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the people watching. Sweet spot. Yeah, that is. I've done that a couple of you times. You learn some... <laughs> Important life lessons there. Oh yeah. What do they say uh, about Waffle Houses and hurricanes? Like if a Waffle House closes, you know it's a serious oh, hurricane. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? yeah, they're like, because they're always open yeah, apparently. Yeah. You're too late. So that's another thing. Uh, hurricane parties in Florida. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. They're so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're not going to take anything back for flying, but you're going to have hurricane parties in the UK. You're oh yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. Biscuits you guys, and gravy. You guys like your holidays over here. If, it, if it's not one holiday, you're already prepping for the next. Exactly. You know, yeah, you're not wrong. It goes from yeah. month to month. Uh, we just don't have that sort of holidays. We yeah. just have. Yeah. Oh, 
Uh, no, I think we just heard a door open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would like to get this person behind the mic. Do, do we have a foreign a visitor? I, have I, I think I might, uh, relinquish the reins to my mic yeah, right we now. Have, we have, we have two Europeans right now yes. in the, uh, in the, in the recording studio here. Hello, sir. Hey guys. Oh. How's it going? Hi, Sam. Hi. Hi. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too, God. man. You look great. Thank you, man. You don't hey. sound like European, Sam. Uh, no, I don't have an accent yet, unfortunately. I'm working on it. Okay. Okay. Usually, I shouldn't even try a British accent because I it's horrible. Let's try it. No, I, I sound like an <laughs> Australian mixed with a redneck. I don't really know how to how to describe it. That have sounds it. about right because everyone thinks I'm Australian over here. Really? Yeah, about 80% of the people. Oh, go, yeah. Oh, you're Australian. I'm like, no, I'm British. And normally I go, no, I'm sorry I'm British because that's how I was British <laughs> introduce ourselves. <laughs> Sam, can we get the ESPN version of uh, what you've been doing the past couple months? Yeah, 30,000 foot view. Uh, I'm here to drill for two weeks. Last three months, Katie and I have driven through Belgium, Germany, Denmark, Norway for six weeks, Sweden, back to Denmark, uh, spent some time in Stockholm, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, and uh, the last three weeks over in the UK. Remember the beginning of this episode where we all asked where we've been and I was like in San Diego once and then Rob yeah. maybe went to Hawaii and then Nick's been in Mobile the yeah. whole time. <laughs> Sam's answer was a lot more interesting. They're way more interesting. Yeah, the Reserve Aviator program is really good, guys. You should try it out. That sounds pretty great. Yeah, but where should I go in uh, England? I'm, I'm headed back there. Well, we're going to head up to Scotland here in a little bit. Oh, man, you got to fly into Newcastle. Okay. Drive up through Northumberland, across okay. the Scottish borders. So Northumberland's castle country. Yes, okay. So some old stuff and some great coastlines. Drive up through Northumberland into the, into the Scottish borders, up to Edinburgh. Okay. And then into the Highlands. Yeah, we're doing, uh, we hear Christmas and or New Year's is really great up in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. I hear it's amazing. Yeah, they, they like a, a good hootenanny. Yeah, you guys do Christmas markets so well in, well, in Europe in general. Yeah, the Germans do very well. Yeah. German Christmas markets. So you find a lot of those in the UK. Yeah, I mean, even going through London the other week was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Was it Covent Garden or something? Yeah. Highly recommend. Just take a year or three off from the Coast Guard. <laughs> uh, in four years, I plan on doing that live forever. In a, live in a van, <laughs> drive around. <laughs> oh, sounds amazing. Uh, thanks for letting me interrupt you guys. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's so great to I, have I, you. I heard that door open and got excited. The I way, thought it was, yeah, I thought it was where Chad. Where the hell is Sam? Okay. Remember that time we tried to call Sam, but then we forgot that there was a time change. <laughs> we were like calling him at three in the morning, morning yeah. or something like that. Sorry, we Sam. also didn't care once we realized yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Um, Bob, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. This, is, this has been a blast. I'm going to say something about Hitron, which I, I had to say. Go for it. Oh, Hitron, yes. Hitron is a bit of a, an unpopular place to go for a lot of people because yeah. they think of the deployments, you send time away. But I would recommend anybody to at least do one tour in Hitron during your career because it is well worthwhile with the flying, the deployments. That's where the fun is. Yeah. That, so the flying the flying's different. You know, you're going to learn to fly the 65 right to the envelope, as we talked about, you know, the weaknesses in the helicopter are the limiting factors we know we've worked very hard to get up to the limits of where you can keep this thing safe and doing that job because it's, it's a dynamic job uh the deployments sound unpopular because you're out of the country for you know 60 days at a time uh but those are where the fun is as well getting out with the cutters on the uh traveling around the united states international yeah and then the port calls as well and and actually just doing the job and if you really want to sort of develop as an officer when you're you know in your first couple of, couple of tours, uh, 
you get to operate as a mission commander running aviation off a ship. It's great for that leadership that development. You, your OER, your cool. OER is going to look pretty good early on if you're going to do that. And it, you're doing it outside of the United States. Yeah, and it's it's well worthwhile. I'd, I'd give it a, you know, a big recommend for anyone who wants to go out and actually really get to know the helicopter, yeah. do something dynamic, do something exciting, challenging. Yeah. Because uh, and if, if if you get to do it once in your career, you'll never forget it, and you'll never regret it either. You're not the first Hitron pilots that I've heard that from, so I guess there must be something to it. All of you that I've flown with, you can handle the aircraft, and it it fits like a glove to you. So. Yeah, you get it's to know be something proven. In- you get you get to know the limits pretty pretty well. Whereas where you're nibbling on the edge and when to back off. Yeah, that's good for that. It really yeah, is. It makes you a awesome. much better pilot. Hell yeah! So to sign off, um, a lot of aspiring aviators, folks who are in flight school right now, currently pushing through the program, uh, listen to this podcast. For somebody who has been literally around the world and seen it all in aviation. Do you have any advice for somebody who is p- currently pushing through flight school, wanting to go to flight school or anything like that? Yeah, of course. First of all, I haven't seen everything and done everything <laughs> because I had this very good instructor when I first started flying. Um, his, his name was uh, Nige. And he said, the day you stop learning about aviation is the day you give it up completely or the day you kill yourself. And that has always okay. stuck well with me. So no, I'm always learning. I'm always finding new things. I'm always open to understanding new ways of doing stuff and listening to people's different opinions because you're never going to get it for 100% right. We're all on a big learning curve until we give it up completely. Uh, but also, and it's not just for all the young guys coming through, it's for everybody in the Coast Guard. Fight for the fun opportunities. I do see people who are scared of putting their neck out because they think that if they give their Saturday and Sunday up to do something fun and it goes wrong, they'll regret volunteering for that. And they therefore they don't volunteer. I know that's the wrong attitude. You've got to volunteer for this stuff. That's where the excitement, you know, sits. That's where you end up doing something non-routine, doing something different, applying your brain and actually get making it making yourself look good and having a good time about it. So fight for those opportunities. You know, don't don't shy away from them. Embrace them and get out there because you never know where they're gonna lead. And you take the, you volunteer for these things. Next time something exciting comes around and your exo goes, oh, I need someone to do this. Your name is going to be first in his head. He's like, oh, I know you'll just say yes to that. Now, no, it's no longer his problem. He solved it. You get something fun to go and do. So just take advantage of all these opportunities that come because you don't get them in a normal job. And I've always said yes to this stuff, even if it might sound like, you know, a bad day. I've gone out, I've done it, and I've met some interesting people and I've it's led to one thing's left to another. And here I am in the United States flying for the U S coast guard. Yeah. And I, I don't think that happens by coincidence. I think it happens because people want you to do this job and want you to go out and, and set the scene and set up the Hitron exchange. And I'm just so glad that, you know, my name was the one that got pulled out of, I say the hat. I don't yeah. think it was pulled out of a hat, but uh, my name was certainly up there for mm-hmm. people who could come and do this. Yeah, I, I think we were very lucky to get you too. Well, thank you very much. I'm very lucky to be here. Yeah. I'm having a good time. Thank you for letting me on the podcast. Oh, of course. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. It's been good fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we did it now and not when I first arrived because I was absolutely <laughs> clueless. <laughs> Rabbit in headlights, looking at the 65. You know, still, but I still walk out on a morning to an aircraft with United States Coast Guard written on the side. 
And I can't stop smiling. <laughs> it's brilliant. That's hilarious. It's like something out of the movies. That's yeah. awesome. And I get to do it. When you're here next year for Peak Horse, we'll check back in with you, get you, get you on real quick. We'll just yeah, do an next, annual update. Next year be, right, we've got cynical Bob. You've been, <laughs> you've been here for two and a half years now, haven't you? Yeah, how are you enjoying it? I'm not. Florida sucks. I hate biscuits and gravy. I was at approved extension. <laughs> I went to Waffle House, like you guys said, and got stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we'll catch up next year just yeah. for, for a brief update. Yeah. Ho- hope you have some uh, cool trips planned like around here and uh, even yeah. get back over to the pond. I need to get back over the pond, uh, go to a British pub and have a proper British beer at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you don't have much British food around Jacksonville. Publix has a bit on it, but it's not particularly good. Yeah. But, uh, looking forward to get back. Need to go skiing. Um, visit all the people I know around America now because I've met so many guys through Mobile. Yeah. I do need to get out and see these people. I've just been so busy to deployments and upgrades that and now I need to really go out and see these guys who said, Oh, come over to Houston, come up to Travis city. We'll always have a place C- for you to stay. Come yeah. Over, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I need to take them up on those offers. Oh yeah. And uh, if anyone does make me an offer, trust me, I will be chasing up on it. Awesome. Don't make empty offers. You'll regret no. it. Yeah. Bob, Bob will be knocking <laughs> on your door. <laughs> Sweet. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, safe flying and, uh, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you Cheers. very much. We say goodbye, but now-